Hello world, and thank you for tuning in to always be your own motivation. This is expanding your vocabulary on a daily basis. And I don't know about you all, but I truly love to learn new words. So that's why we're here, right? Yes. So be sure to be prepared with either your pen and your notepad handy or your mental word bank will do just fine. But let's go right ahead and get into today's segment. All right, all right. I hope you are ready to learn another new word. So our word for today is exonumia. Exonumia, this word is a noun. This word is Latin. And the first known use of this word was in 1962. So exonumia actually has two definitions. The first definition is referring to coin-like objects. The second definition means to study and or collection of coin-like objects. So from these two definitions, we know that this word exonumia means has to do something with coin-like objects, studying or collecting. So let's go ahead and hear a bit of history about this word so we can get a better understanding. So this word is actually compromised of exo, a prefix meaning out of, and the Latin numus meaning coin. Exonumia is the study or collecting of coin-like objects, but not coins themselves. For example, someone interested in exonumia might collect fair tokens or religious medallions, a penny that has been pressed and elongated into a souvenir in the vending machine would qualify for exonumia, but the funds used to pay for it would not. Wow, that is really awesome to know. But let's go ahead and hear two examples of exonumia in a sentence. Tobias had a collection of exonumia he amassed over a decade. The arcade tokens were ever-present exonumia in her pocket. Two really great examples. All right, let's go ahead and take our quick break and let's create our own sentences using this word exonumia. All right, what did you come up with? You know, you can always share your examples with me if you like. And if not, you can always follow along to hear my example. All right, so my example using exonumia in a sentence would have to be, when I was growing up, we had, when I was growing up at Chuck E. Cheese, we had the exonumia tokens. But now there are actually cards that you use for the games. Yes, there we go. Awesome. Because back in the day, listen to me, back in the day when I was growing up, we used the coins, you know, like when you go to Chuck E. Cheese, you use the tokens, but the tokens had already had, it was like a picture of Chuck E. on the front, you know, and those were the coins that you used. So that was like a prime example of an exonumia because it was a coin that was actually created to be something else that you couldn't go into like your everyday store and use. It was only useful for whatever company or business or place that you were at. Yes. Be sure to share your examples with me. And as always, uh, also be sure to add this word, exonumia, to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. So 
the word we are going to learn today is dark. Dark, this word is a noun. This word is English and it originated in the 15th century. So dark actually has two definitions. The first definition is a day's work. The second definition is a defined quantity or amount of work or of the product of work done in a certain time or at a certain rate of payment a task. Wow, awesome. All right, let's go ahead and hear a bit of history about this word to get a better understanding. So this word comes from the Middle English, the work or day work, stemming from the Old English, the work from day, meaning day and work, meaning work. Did you know that Dork is also the name of a village in the Shog region of Northern Tajikistan? Much of the country is mountainous, making it a popular locale for hiking and climbing. Wow, awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, let's go ahead and hear two examples of dark in a sentence. Seamus knew he had a dark of work to finish by 5 p.m. The teacher finished writing the dark of lesson plans by noon two really good examples. So let's go ahead and make our own. We're going to take a quick break and create our own sentences using the word dark. All right, what did everyone come up with? You know, you can always share your examples with me if you like, but if not, just be sure to follow along and let's hear my example, my hopefully short example, using the word dark in a sentence. During the week at 5 p.m., I am extremely tired because of the type of dark day that I had. That's in the middle. It's in the middle. Let me try another one. So during the week, I work my nine to five. And by the end of the week on Friday, I'm extremely excited because of the type of dark work day I had ahead of me. Does that make sense? I feel like I kind of used the definition in a sentence. This was a bit tricky one, but I feel like I did at least try to give two different examples using dark. Uh, I try to utilize saying, you know, that um, it was a hard day's work or a day's work or the amount of work that I had in a day. So be sure to keep that in mind that dark is either a day's work or the defined quantity amount of work or um, product of work that's put into it. So be sure to add this word dark to your vocabulary bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. All right, I hope you're ready to learn a new word. So for today, we are going to learn about the word filter. Filter is a noun, and this word originated in the late 18th century. This word is also French. So filter means a drink supposed to arouse love and desire for a particular person in the drinker. More like a love potion. Wow. So filter is another word for a love potion. Let's hear a bit of history about this word filter to get a better understanding of where this love potion word originated from. So filter entered English in the 18th century through the Middle French filtre, also meaning love potion. However, the original basis for the word is ancient Greek, which is philtron, and that means love 
charm. Did you know that in Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream, the mischievous sprite Puck applies a filter to the eyes of sleeping fairy queen Titania. The proud and serious Titania wakes and falls desperately in love with the first living thing she sees, Nick Bottom, a weaver whose head Puck has turned into that of a donkey. Wow, awesome. So this word filter, once again, is another word for a love potion. Let's hear two examples of filter in a sentence. In many classic stage comedies, characters deploy filters with unexpected and hilarious results. Charles was so enraptured with Justina that he felt like he drunk a filter. Wow, awesome. These were two really good examples. I don't know about you all, but just reading them, I could definitely understand that this word is a love potion. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break and let's create our own sentences using this word filter. All right, what did everyone come up with? Be sure to share with me if you like. Uh, but in the meantime, let's go ahead and listen to my example of using filter in a sentence. I remember one time I felt like I had drank a filter because I had just met someone and everything about them I loved. There was not one person about this thing that I didn't love. I like fell in love with this person head over heels after just like one encounter. I know that sentence was a bit long, but you get the point. So pretty much I had met someone and it was almost like, you know, someone had served me a love potion because I like fell in love with them so quickly. Like I I really felt like it was a love potion. But be sure to share your um be sure to share your examples with me if you like. And also be sure to add this word filter to your vocabulary bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. All right, so the new word we are learning today is nutriment. Nutriment, this word is a noun. And this word also originated in the late Middle English and in the 15th century. So nutriment means nourishment, sustenance. Wow, short and snappy. All right, let's hear a bit of history about the word nutriment to get a better understanding. So nutriment is taken from the Latin word meaning nourishment. The word nourishment is more common than nutriment, but nutriment often means the same thing. Nutriment describes both food as a plural noun and the nourishment the food contains in the form of vitamins, minerals, and energy. A person may eat nutrients, but they may also eat a food for its nutriment. Awesome, awesome. All right, let's hear two examples of nutriment in a sentence. My mother's meals were simple, but full of nutriment. Siohan wanted wholesome nutriment after a weekend of eating junk food. I mean, who wouldn't? Yes. All right, two really good examples of nutriment in a sentence. Let's go ahead and create our own. We're going to take a quick break and let's combine when we come right back. I'll
right. What did everyone come up with? You can always share your examples with me if you like. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and listen to my example using nutriment in a sentence. My daily diet consists of a bit of a nutriment, but also a bit of a bunch of unhealthy foods at the same time. Yes, it was a little long and extended as always. But, you know, I like to do these because I just like for us to get a better understanding of each word so that when we do say them, we know exactly what we're talking about when we do say this word. So be sure to add this word, nutriment, to your vocabulary bank and as always try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today all right all right let's learn a new word so the word we're going to learn for today is chautauqua chautauqua this word is a noun and this word also originated in the late 19th century. So the meaning for Chautauqua relates to North American, which is an institution that provided popular adult education courses and entertainment in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Let's hear a bit of history about this word Chautauqua to get a better understanding. So this word stems from the New York town of the same name, where an annual summer colony features lectures. The name originates from Chidagua, which is a Seneca name, possibly meaning one has taken out fish there. An alternative suggested meaning is raised body. The Chautauqua Lake Sunday School Assembly was organized at a campsite on the shores of New York's Chautauqua Lake in 1874. It started as an experiment to provide education in a non-traditional format. For instance, the Chautauqua Literary and Scientific Circle was structured as a four-year correspondence course that provided the essential knowledge and skills of a college education to those who couldn't afford the standard college experience. Today, the Chautauqua Institution offers a variety of lecture series, artistic resident programs, and more during the summer. Wow, who would have thought that one institution had done so much. All right, let's hear two examples of Chautauqua in a sentence. Elena wanted to visit a Chautauqua community during her vacation. Lalani was instrumental in establishing her community's first Chautauqua. Wow, two really great examples. They really give us a better understanding of this word. So let's go ahead and take our quick break and let's create our own sentences using the word Chautauqua. All right, what did everyone come up with? As always, you can always share your examples with me if you like, but if not, take a quick listen to hear my example. So my example using Chautauqua in a sentence would be, I myself have not had the chance to explore a Chautauqua, but the next time that I do travel to New York, it's definitely a thought. Hey, it's a bit long and it was just a random thought, but it is the truth. You know, if you've never visited some type of institution or a company, sometimes when you read about it, it kind of makes it a bit more interesting and it just makes you want to try new things, right? Yes. So I hope everyone did come up with their own sentences. And as always, you can always share them with me, uh, but be sure to add this word Chautauqua to your vocabulary bank. And as always, 
always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. All right, so the new word we are going to learn is ambisinister. Ambisinister, this word is an adjective. This word is Latin and it originated in the Middle English. All right, so ambisinister means awkward or clumsy with both hands. Wow, I could say myself that I am ambisinister. That's why I could never do a waitress job. But let's hear a little bit of history about the word ambisinister so we can get a better understanding. So this word translates literally into both sides, left-handed. Ambi is a prefix originating from the Latin ambo, meaning both. Sinister stems from the Middle English sinistra, meaning unlucky. It comes from the Old French sinistra, meaning left, from the Latin Sinestra, which is left hand. Did you know that ambisinister goes hand in hand, so to speak, with ambidextrous, which means having strong and equal abilities in both hands. While ambisinister translates into both sides left-handed, the latter literally means both sides right-handed, the dominant hand for most people. Wow, that is awesome to know, ambisinister. When I actually seen this word, I thought of something sinister, I guess, you know, something evil almost, but it totally means the opposite. But let's go ahead and hear two examples of ambisinister in a sentence. Jesse couldn't play basketball because he was ambisinister. Arthritis made Phyllis feel ambisinister after years of working with her hands. Awesome. Two really great examples of using this word. So let's go ahead and take our break and let's create our own sentences using the word ambisinister. All right, what did you all come up with? Be sure to share your examples with me if you like, uh, but let's go ahead and hear mine. So my example of using ambisinister in a sentence would have to be, I never tried to apply for a server position because I am ambisinister. I know it just wouldn't be the right job for me. <laughs> it's a little long, but hey, you get the point. You know, once again, these exercises are always just to um, be able to use our brains and our minds to be able to put new words into sentences. So be sure to add this word, ambisinister, to your vocabulary bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Okay, so our new word is gambit. Gambit, this is a noun, and this word is Italian, and it originated in the mid-17th century. So gambit actually has two definitions. The first definition is an act or remark that is calculated to gain an advantage, especially at the outset of a situation. The second definition refers to playing in chess, which is an opening move in which a player makes a sacrifice, typically of a pawn, for the sake of a compensating advantage. So those are the two definitions for the word gambit. Now let's hear a little bit of history about this word gambit so we can get a better understanding of where it actually originated from. So this word originally spelled G-A-M-B-E-T-T, -T, 
comes from the Italian gambetto, meaning tripping up. This stems from the late Latin gamba, meaning leg. Did you know that The Queen's Gambit is a 1983 book that was recently adapted into a popular Netflix miniseries? Both iterations follow chess prodigy Beth Harmon's journey to becoming an elite chess player during the mid-20th century while battling a host of personal obstacles. The title refers to a common chess opening where white appears to sacrifice the sea pawn. However, some consider this gambit to be a misnomer since black cannot retain the pawn without incurring a disadvantage. Wow, who would have known? All right, let's hear two examples of using gambit gambit in a sentence. Otis liked to use different gambits against opponents when he played chess. The campaign felt the opponent's op-ed was more of a gambit than a heartfelt message. All right, those were two really good examples. Let's go ahead and take a quick break and let's create our own sentences using the word gambit. All right, what did everyone come up with? Be sure to share your examples with me if you like. And um, I want to go ahead and share mine. So I always look at the bigger picture and that is my gambit towards life. Hey, I think that I think that works because the gambit is a is a remark that is calculated to gain an advantage. So me looking at the world in a bigger picture is definitely my advantage to living a longer, prosperous life. Yes, yes, yes. I hope everyone did come up with your example using the word gambit in a sentence. As always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Today, we are going to learn about the word Yarbora. Yarbora is a noun. This word was originated in the early 20th century. So Yarbora refers to in bridge or west. And this word means a hand with no card above a nine. Awesome. Who would have thought that for my card players out there? Of course, you probably did know that. But if not, now you know the word Yarbora means a hand with no card above a nine. So let's go ahead and hear a little bit of history about the word Yarbora so we can get a better understanding of where this word actually originated from. So Charles Anderson Worsley, an English nobleman and second Earl of Yarbora, is said to have bet 1,000 to 1 against the dealing of such a hand. Could you imagine that payout? I mean, betting 1,000 to 1 against the dealing of that hand that's just that's amazing so around the 1900s lord yarborough gave his name to a hand of cards dealt in bridge that contains no ace and no card higher than a nine the probability of getting a yarborough is 347 million 373,600 out of 635 billion 13 million 559 
1600 The Earl offered $1,000 to anyone who achieved a Yarborough on the condition they paid him $1 each time they didn't get one. Wow. I mean, if you look at his whole concept, he most definitely made money, you know, and that's a really awesome tactic to have, especially if you're a really good card player. But let's go ahead and hear some examples of the word Yarborough used in a sentence. Jake wanted to get a Yarborough in his weekly card game. The novice asked the card shark what a Yarborough was. And that would have been me in the second sentence because, you know, I've played a few different card games, but I could honestly say that I have never heard of the word Yarborough. But let's go ahead and take a quick, and I'm actually going to expand it to 15 seconds. I normally do 10, but when I try to think of a sentence in 10 seconds, it was not the easiest. So let's go ahead and take a quick break and let's create our own sentences using the word Yarborough. Okay, what did you come up with? So you can always share your examples if you like by either leaving a voice message or you can send a comment to always be your own motivation. So let's see, my example, my sentence using the word Yarbrough uh, would have to be that today is actually the first day that I've heard the word Yarbrough and I did not know that it had anything to do with cards. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's a bit long, but it's the truth, you know, and I said that. So like I said, you always know that this exercise is primarily used just so you can get the hang of using a different word in a different context, okay? Yes. So with that being said, be sure to add this word Yarborough to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Okay, so our word for today is estiful. Estiful is an adjective, and this word originated in the 14th century. So when I first heard, well, I first seen this word, I automatically thought a festival, right? I did too. So the definition of estival is technical, which means belonging to or appearing in summer. Estival, belonging to or appearing in summer. I like this word. Let's hear a bit of history so we can get a better understanding of where this word actually came from. So estival might make readers think of another summertime word. Festival, absolutely. Despite this seasonal similarity, they come from different roots. While estival stems from estes, meaning heat, festival is rooted in festivus, a Latin term that means festive or merry. While music festivals have become a staple of the estival months, they can occur at any time of the year. So that's awesome to know that estival actually, estival and festival definitely came from different roots. They sound like they would mean exactly the same thing. I mean, they do, but they don't. But let's go ahead and listen to two examples of estival in a sentence. These are strictly estival flowers. Sarah and Jim embarked on a whirlwind estival 
romance. I really like that second sentence because I just picture the romance to just be full of colors and you know those colors are feelings and I hope that makes sense but let's go ahead and take a quick break and let's create our own sentences using the word estival. All right, what did everyone come up with? Be sure to share your examples with me if you like. So my example of using Estival in a sentence uh, would have to be if my birthday was in the summertime, I would have a birthday party during the Estival months. Uh, it's in the middle. If my birthday was during the Estival months, I would always have a party outside. Yeah, it's a little tricky, but hey, I like it because we know Estival is the summer months and me, my birthday's in the winter. So yes, if I did have a birthday in the summer, it would have to be an outside event. It just, it would have to, but be sure to share your sentences with me if you like, and you can always leave a comment at always be your own motivation. And that's on all major social media platforms, but be sure to add this word Estival to your word bank. And as always try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Right, so the word that we are going to be learning today is fartlek. Fartlek is a noun, and this word is Swedish and originated in the 1940s. So, fartlek means a system of training for distant runners in which the terrain and pace are continually varied to eliminate boredom and enhance psychological aspects of conditioning. Wow, fartlek. Okay, so let's hear some history about the word fartlek so we could truly understand where it came from. So the term fartlek is a loan word from Swedish in which fart means speed and lek means play. Thus, fartlek translates to speed play, emphasizing the practice's frequent changes in running speeds and tempos. Wow, who would have thought? Fartlek training has become the standard for distant runners, hoping to improve their paces before running marathons and ultra marathons. Switching between varying speeds and terrains, including steep uphill and downhill stretches, as well as slow grades, helps runners prepare for a variety of challenges that they may face on race day. Wow, awesome. So in Swedish, the word fart means speed. But here in America, fart means to pass gas. That is just, that is amazing to learn. Let's go ahead and hear two examples of fartlek in a sentence. As the marathon approached, Angie switched to fartlek training to prepare herself for the extended distance. Eric does long fartlek runs on Sundays to keep his training routine varied. Wow, those are two really, really good examples. So let's go ahead and take a quick break and let's create our own examples using the word fartlek.
hey, what did everyone come up with? You can always share your example with me if you like. So let's see. I came up with, I have yet to experience Fort Lek training as I have not always been in the best shape. Yes, there we go. There we go. It took me a moment, but I did get that example out. So I hope you all did create your own examples as well using the word fartlek. I do like this word. It's very different. And I feel like it's one of those words that, you know, you would randomly say or think about when you're talking to someone. So be sure to add this word fartlek to your word bank. And as always, try to spread some knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. All right, all right, all right. So our word for today is emblematize. Emblematize, this is a verb. This word is Creek and it originated in the 17th century. Emblematize means to serve as a symbolic representation of a quality or concept. I like this word, emblematize. So let's go ahead and hear a bit of history about this word so that we can get a better understanding of where it comes from and how we could utilize it in our everyday lives. So emblematize was coined as a verb after the word emblematist, a 17th century term for a person who drew or painted emblems. Emblem itself comes from the Latin emblema, referring to an inlaid work or a raised ornament used to represent a grander idea that could be shown pictorially. For example, the national flag of France is an emblem that could represent the country and its people in a variety of contexts. Likewise, religious emblems represent complex beliefs, traditions, and histories. To emblematize means to stand for something in the way an emblem stands for an abstract idea. Yes, yes, yes. So that's how we break it down. Emblematize means to stand for something in the way an emblem stands for an abstract idea. I like this word, emblematize. Let's go ahead and hear two examples of emblematize in a sentence. The spectacle of the Super Bowl emblematizes the intensity of America's love of football. Who doesn't love football? Singer Lizzo emblematizes a new generation of women who love their bodies in all sizes. I really like both of these examples. And yes, Lizzo does. I love Lizzo for every bit because she just loves herself inside and out. And she wants others to do the same. But let's go ahead and take a quick break and let's create our own sentences using the word emblematize. Okay, what did you come up with? If you like, you can always share your example with me. So I came up with, I myself emblematize that everyone stands up for themselves, believes in themselves, and supports themselves. Yeah, that was a bit long, but it's the truth because I'd stand, you know, for that. You know, I think everyone should make it. And I feel like, 
you know, you have to stand for yourself. If you don't stand for anything, you have to stand for yourself and you have to believe in yourself. Yes. So I hope you all did come up with your sentences. Be sure to share them with me if you like. And also be sure to add this word emblematize to your word bank. As always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. get right into it. Our word for today is hippocrine. Hippocrine is a noun. This word is Greek and this word originated in the early 17th century. Hippocrine. So hippocrine is used to refer to poetic or literary inspiration. Hippocrine. This is going to begin to be one of my new favorite words. I know me, I'm all about poetry and I'm all about motivation and inspiration. Hippocrine. Let's hear a bit of history about this word so we can get a better understanding of what it truly means. So this term came directly into English from the Greek Hippocrine, referring to the legend of Pegasus, referring to the legend of Pegasus. Hoof. Okay. This term came directly into English from the Greek Hippocrine, referring to the legend of Pegasus's hoof opening a fountain spring on Mount Helkin, which was sacred to Greek muses because hippos means horse and crean means fountain. The literal translation of hippocrine is a fountain of the horse. Wow, who would have thought? And please do excuse my Greek if I did mispronounce that word. But I like this word, hippocrine. So hippocrine refers to a particular fountain that was sacred of the Greek muses. So most uses of the adjective treated as a sort of a poetic inspiration that can be drunk, like water from a spring. Accordingly, to have drunk hippocrine means to have been filled with creative inspiration. Yes, hippocrine, hippocrine, hippocrine. You know, when I actually first seen this word, I kind of thought of the word hypocrite and it's a totally different word. But let's go ahead and hear two examples of hippocrine in a sentence. Charles wrote poetry in the morning using the early light as his hippocrine. Full of hippocrine, Van Mala sat down to write what she hoped was a masterpiece. Yes, I like both of these examples. They really give me the feeling, well, the definition of the word in their sentence. So let's go ahead and take a quick break so that we can create our own sentences using this word, hippocrine. And once again, hippocrine means used to refer to poetic or literary inspiration. All right, what did everyone come up with? You can always share your examples with me if you like. So my example of using hippocrine in a sentence would have to be that this platform, always be your own motivation, is my hippocrine. That's it. 
right? Yes, there we go. All right, let's try that again. So this a platform, always be your own motivation is my hypocrite. Yes, I like that. I like that. I hope you all did come up with your own sentences. Like I said, you can always share them with me if you like, but be sure to add this word hypocrite to your word bank. And as always, be sure to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. All right, all right, all right. So our word for today is sachem. Sachem, this word is a noun and this word is Narragansett and it originated in the 17th century. So sachem does have two definitions. The first definition refers to among some North American indigenous peoples and it means a chief. The second definition refers to North American informal, which is a boss or a leader. So the word sachem pretty much breaks down to mean a chief, a boss, or a leader. So let's go ahead and hear a bit of history about this word so we can get a better understanding and we can also create our own sentences using this word shortly. So sachem, it, sachem is drawn from the Narragansett language, an Algonquian tongue loosely connected to numerous other indigenous languages in eastern central North America. For Narragansett people, a sachem was a kind of political leader, highly esteemed in a local region. Though sachem is an indigenous term, it entered the American English vocabulary largely through New York City influential Tamani Society. That group, which operated from 1786 to 1967, was central to organizing the Democratic Party in New York. It was overseen by a group of 12 upper leaders called Sachems. Awesome. Who would have thought? So keep in mind this word Sachem means either a chief, a boss, or a leader. Let's go ahead and hear two examples of this word Sachem used in a sentence. John came from a prominent Narragansett family, descended from a beloved Sachem. The restaurant owner acted like the Sachem of the dining room as she instructed staff and decided on seating arrangements. I like both of these examples. Once again, they give us the true definition of the word in this sentence. So let's go ahead and take our quick break and let's create our own sentences using the word Sachem. All right, all right. What did you come up with? If you like, you can always share your examples with me. So my example of using sachem in a sentence would have to be that I am my own sachem because I make my own decisions and my own choices. Yes, there we go. Because I feel like I am my own leader. You know, you are your own leader because you make your own choices and your own decisions, you know? Yes. So I hope you all did come up with your own sentences. Be sure to add this word to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today.
Let's go ahead and get into our last word of the week. Today, we are going to learn about the word impresario. Impresario, this word is a noun, and this word is Italian. This word also originated in the 18th century. So impresario actually has two definitions. The first definition is a person who organizes and often finances concerts, plays, or operas. The second definition is the manager of a musical, theatrical, or operatic company. Yes, I like this word, impresario. So let's go ahead and hear a bit of history about this word so we can get a better understanding. In Italian, impresario means one who undertakes a task, such as running a business. The term is related to impresa, meaning undertaking. By the 18th century, impresario in English primarily referred to undertaking theater and stage productions. Impresarios aren't an antiquated idea. Consider Andrew Lloyd Webber, the modern theater impresario and composer of Cats and Phantom of the Opera. Also, pop music impresario Scott Scooter Braun. The manager has helped discover and promote superstars, including Justin Bieber, Demi Lovato, and Ariana Grande. Wow, awesome. Who would have thought? So keep in mind, this word impresario is a person who organizes and often finances concert plays or operas as well as the manager of a musical theatrical or operatic company all right so let's go ahead and hear two examples of impresario in a sentence my grandfather was a vaudeville impresario who produced and emceed touring variety shows. The impresario heard Sharon's voice and invited her to tour with his opera as a chorus singer. Yes, I like both of these examples. Once again, it truly gives us the definition of the word in the sentence. So let's go ahead and take our quick break and let's create our own sentences using this word, impresario. All right, yes, what did everyone come up with? As always, you can always share your examples with me if you like. So my examples of my example of using impresario in a sentence would have to be that I have not yet learned the fundamentals of being an impresario, but it definitely seems like a very interesting line of work. Yes, there we go. Because I have yet to learn, you know, things about theatrical, musicals, anything like that. So it definitely seems like something interesting and something that I would honestly be into learning. But I hope you all did create your own sentences. You know, once again, these exercises are just used for us to learn new words and be able to put together sentences using these new words. But be sure to add this word impresario to your word bank. And as always, try to spray a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. (laughs) 
thank you for tuning in to You Are Your Own Motivation. I am your host and I am here with seven brand new words for us to learn and expand our vocabulary this week. Please be sure to either have your pen and notepad handy or take notes in your mental word bank. But let's go ahead and get right into our lesson. Exemplum. Exemplum is a noun and this word originated in the 15th century. Exemplum is an example or model, especially a moralizing or illustrative story. Exemplum looks similar to example, but the term is concerned with what specifically constitutes a good example. An exemplum therefore does not simply give an example of a situation, rather like traditional fables and other stories that include an instructive morale, an exemplum presents a case of how a situation is best encountered and resolved. I don't know about you all, but when I did see exemplum, I automatically thought of example. But this exemplum comes directly from exemplum in classical Latin and was once closely related with example. In the late medieval period, both example and exemplum implied the kind of behavior that others could model themselves upon. While example became a broadly used term synonymous with example, exemplum has continued to refer to an allegory from which others can learn some lesson. Wow, that's awesome. So if you do look at both words, example and exemplum, they do look very similar, but they mean two totally different things. So let's go ahead and hear two examples of exemplum in a sentence. The first Star Wars film is an exemplum of the belief that good eventually triumphs over evil. Before Sherry gave me her keys, she told me how her last house sitter had watered all her plants, which I took as an exemplum. Wow, I like how the word was used in both of these sentences. The word can mean an example or model, uh, but unlike example, it's not necessarily a behavior. It's more of a lesson learned. So be sure to add exemplum to your word bank or your mental vocabulary bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Maliferous. Maliferous is an adjective, and this word originated in the 17th century. Maliferous means yielding or producing honey. Maliferous was created by merging the Latin mellifer, meaning to bear honey, with the suffix O-U-S, meaning abundantly. So this word was actually created by putting two different words together. And actually, that's how a lot of words actually are created. But we often speak about honey as primarily the product of bees. But bees need to harvest substances from melliferous plants, which contain source nectar for honey. The word is similar to the better known adjective 
mellifluous, which means sweet or musical, pleasant to hear, and is sometimes used to describe voices and sounds. So yes, we actually got to learn another word on top of our word. But let's go ahead and hear two examples of mellifluous in a sentence. Behind the restaurant, there was a patio surrounded by mellifluous flowers. There are more mellifluous plants than honeybees can harvest. Some grow in a way that prevents bees from accessing them. So in both of these examples, I feel as if mellifluous was used differently because in the first sentence, it was used as far as producing. The second sentence, it was used as almost yielding. So yes, the word does mean yielding or producing honey, but can be used in a sentence in different ways. So be sure to add this word mellifluous to your word bank or your mental vocabulary bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Satisfies. Satisfies is a verb, and this word originated in the 16th century. Satisfies is a blend of two English words, satisfy and suffice. Yet, the word also connects to the classical Latin word satisfacere itself, formed by blending satis, meaning enough, faci, meaning make. Satisfies doesn't quite mean satisfy. In fact, the word implies a halfway point between actual satisfaction and that which will simply suffice. 500 years ago, satisfies was a synonym for satisfy. Today, the term implies something that will suffice despite falling short of total satisfaction. I know when I had originally seen this word, I did think of satisfy, or I did think that the meaning, the definition would be something very similar to satisfy. But let's go ahead and hear two examples of satisfice in a sentence. The restaurant didn't brew fresh decaf, so Vern satisficed with instant. Last year, Caroline had to satisfice with a vacation in her own backyard, but this year she's hoping to travel. I feel like the, def- the word was used really well in both of these examples. And I feel like I really did get a feel for the word, or at least I got a different feel on how to use the word when speaking in general. So be sure to add this word, satisfice, to your word bank or your mental vocabulary bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learn today. Crabwise. Crabwise is an adverb, and this word originated in the 20th century. Crabwise means to, toward, or from the side, typically in an awkward way. The word is a compound of crab from the Old English crabba 
and the suffix wise meaning in the manner of wise also dates back to old english so this word crab wise is a compound word let's go ahead and hear two examples of crab wise in a sentence to better get a feel for this word roberto moved crab wise without taking his eyes off the ball when he played dodgeball my cat only moves crab wise if she knows i'm going to try to give her a pill so yes i do really feel like the word was used greatly in both of these sentences so crabwise could honestly be another word to move in an awkward way that's pretty much what i'm getting from this word let's go ahead and hear a fun fact about crabwise crabs are capable of moving forward but their leg joints make it far easier for them to move quickly by darting left or right because they're the only animal famous for moving in this manner. Crabwise is an evocative, crabwise is an evocative description of sideways motion. So yes, crabwise is another description to move sideways so yes be sure to add this word crabwise to your vocabulary bank or your mental word bank and as always try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today Maquillage. Maquillage is a noun, and this word originated in the 19th century. Maquillage means makeup or cosmetics. I really like that. That was really simple. Maquillage comes directly from the French. Maquillage, whose roots in the Middle French originally meant to do. Maquiller, the French verb meaning apply makeup to one's face, entered English through theatrical vernacular in the 1840s, while the noun maquillage was used in the 1850s. So the pronunciation from the English version of maquillage to the French pronunciation of maquillage is totally different but mean the same exact things let's go ahead and hear two examples of maquillage in a sentence andrea watched youtube videos to learn new techniques for her maquillage theater performers usually wear thick layers of maquillage to ensure the audience can see their features Maquillage is often used as a direct synonym for makeup or cosmetics, but the word's definition is not as neutral as those two terms. Rather, maquillage often suggests makeup applied excessively or garishly. This is partly due to maquillage entering English through the culture of 19th century theatrical entertainment in which actors needed exaggerated and distinct makeup to be identifiable on stage. Who would know that such a word can mean so many different things and came from such a different background? 
Awesome, awesome. Be sure to add this word, maquillage, to your vocabulary bank or your mental word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Halafrases. Halafrases is a noun, and this word originated in the 19th century. Halafrases means the expression of a whole phrase in a single word. For example, howdy, for how do you do? This word is a combination of hollow from This word is a combination of hala from the Greek halas, meaning whole, entire, complete, plus the Latinized form of the Greek frostikos, originally from frazin, meaning to indicate, tell, express. Let's go ahead and hear two examples of halophrasis in a sentence. Preschool teachers have to decipher various forms of halophrasis from their students. William's preferred method of speech seemed to be halophrasis. I like how the word was used in both sentences. Did you know that toddlers go through a stage where halophrasis makes up a majority of their vocabulary. Combined with tone of voice and body language, their use of single words tends to get the message across effectively. For instance, if a toddler says up with his arms raised in the air, he likely wants you to pick him up. Halophrasis is essentially the backbone of a child's vocabulary. Wow, that's really awesome because when you think about halophrasis, it's the expression of a whole phrase in a single word. So yes, I really like that word. I hope everyone did enjoy and be sure to add halophrasis to your word bank or your mental vocabulary word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Boulevard DA. Boulevard DA is a noun, and this word originated in the late 19th century. Boulevard DA means a wealthy, fashionable socialite. Who would have thought? This word is a French term that means person who frequents boulevards. Awesome. Let's go ahead and hear two examples of Boulevard DA in a sentence. Genevieve was a vivacious, popular boulevardier. Lizzie was intimidated yet smitten by the swashbuckling boulevardier. That word swashbuckling, that's different. Did you know that the boulevardier cocktail is made up of equal parts Campari, sweet red vermouth, and either rye whiskey or bourbon with an orange peel for garnish. The drink became popular after it was featured in Harry McElhone's 1927 book, Barflies and Cocktails. He credited the drink to Erskine Gwynn, the publisher of 
Boulevard DA, a magazine for expats living in Paris at the time. Wow, that's awesome. Who would have thought this Boulevard DA could mean a wealthy, fashionable socialite? Be sure to add this word, Boulevard DA, to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. So that does just about wrap up our session of expanding our vocabulary on a daily basis. Let's go ahead and do a quick recap of the words we did learn this week. Exemplum, mellifluous, satisfies, crabwise, maquillage, halophrasis, and last but not least, boulevardier. As always, do add these words to your word bank. Try to use them while speaking in your everyday life. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new words you learned this week. Be sure to tune back in here on Sunday for a fresh new set of seven words. In the meantime, everyone enjoy the rest of your day. And I will speak with you all next Sunday. Good morning, world, and thank you all for tuning in to You Are Your Own Motivation. I am your host, Moquette, and I would like to welcome you to week two of expanding your vocabulary on a daily basis. And this is the March 2022 edition. Please be sure to have your pen and notepad handy or your mental word bank will do just fine. But let's go right ahead and get into our session. Aptronym. Aptronym is a noun, and this word originated in the 1920s. Aptronym means a person's name that is regarded as amusingly appropriate to their occupation. Let's go ahead and hear a little bit of history about the word aptronym. The word patronym, a name derived from one's father, was common in the early 20th century, and in a way, it became the basis for aptronym though the two words have little to do with one another beyond similar sounds. Writer Franklin P. Adams coined the word to describe a name, indicated by the suffix O-N-Y-M, that was especially apt. So he made an anagram of the patro prefix of the original, of the original word forming aptro. That's awesome to know. Let's go ahead and hear two examples of aptronym in a sentence. The woman selling the fish wore a name tag reading Miss Flounder, which was a perfect aptronym. Our class's enthusiastic new gym teacher had the aptronym Mr. Fit. I really like both of those examples. I really feel like the 
examples themselves definitely give you a really good uh, meaning of what the word means itself. Let's go right ahead and hear a did you know fact. The greatest sprinting runner in history is Usain Bolt, while a famous Canadian rock producer is named Bob Rock. Lance Bass of former boy band NSYNC fame sang with a low register and Britain is home to weather person Sarah Blizzard but atronyms aren't just for celebrities everyday folks can have them too imagine a construction worker named David Joyner or a pastry chef named Lacey or Lucy Baker. Atronyms call back to the early years of English family names adopted around the 17th century when names were descriptive and people were named according to their fathers or ancestors, such as Richardson for the son of someone named Richard. Wow, that's awesome to know when you honestly think about it, the whole name naming someone has changed. I mean, names have definitely came a long way from where they were. Years ago, it used to be that, you know, you had a name book and you selected the name of your child through that name book. But now some of the names that people are actually creating for their children or some of the most creative and unique names ever known. But I hope you all did enjoy this new word. Be sure to add aptronym to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Cusset, that is an adjective, and this word originated in the 17th century. Decusset means of two or more things cross or intersect each other to form an X. Let's hear some history about the word decusset. Decusset is derived from the Latin decusatus, meaning divided, crosswise, but it also connects with the Latin decusus, which describes both the figure X and the Roman numeral for 10. Words beginning with D-E-C can refer both to the figure X and the number 10. In ancient Rome, December was originally the 10th month of the year. Wow, that is awesome to know. Let's go ahead and hear two examples of decusset in a sentence. The main road and the railroad tracks meet in a decusset intersection east of downtown. The black and white stripes cross to create a decusset pattern. I like both of those examples. Let's go ahead and hear a did you know fact. In botany, the term decusset describes pairs of leaves with stems at right angles to one another that cross paths as they grow. The intersecting growth is described with the verb to decusset, but crosswise patterns of leaves and barks of plants can be described with the adjective form of decusset. Wow, awesome, awesome, awesome. Be sure to add this word, decusset, to your word bank or your mental vocabulary bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today.
Barcarolle is a noun, and this word originated in the 18th century. Barcarolle means a song traditionally sung by Venetian gondoliers. Let's hear a little history about the word Barcarolle. In Venetia, Barcarola translates to boatman's song. Venetian is more than a dialect of Italian, but actually a separate romance language spoken by some 5 million Italians. English speakers, largely introduced to this musical form through opera, flatten the many vowels of the Venetian word Barcarola into the easier to pronounce Barcarole. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's hear two examples of Barcarolle in a sentence. Working in the garden, Judy sang a Barcarolle she learned in Venice on her honeymoon. Tourists love the melodic Barcarolles the Venetian gondoliers have sung for centuries. Let's hear a did you know fun fact. Though barcarolles originated as gondolier songs, by the 18th century, vocal barcarolles were being incorporated into operas, such as by Italian composers and the German composers as well. Traditional barcarolles are sung in a meter of six eighths in order to match the gondolier's padding rhythm. Such relaxed mid-tempo meters promote a reflective mood in the listener. Some well-known pop songs in 6-8 time include The Beatles, Norwegian Wood, Seals, Kiss from a Rose, and Billy Joel's Piano Man. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Be sure to add this word, Barcarolle, to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Let's go ahead and listen to a little history of the word interdigitate. Interdigitate is a 19th century merger of Latin derived pieces. The prefix inter meaning between joins, digitus meaning finger or toe to evoke the image of fingers meshed together in sequence. The term is common in dentistry where it can describe the interlocking fit of top and bottom teeth. Awesome. Let's hear two examples of interdigitate in a sentence. The chair was finely woven with interdigitating lines of colored cane. When the safe's lock is engaged, the protective steel bands interdigitate, making it impossible to open. Awesome. Let's hear a did you know fact. Most people have a personal preference about how they interdigitate in the original sense, meaning how they interlock the fingers of their hands. Some people prefer to have their right thumb on top when they clasp their hands. Others prefer to have their left on top. And the third group of ambidextrous people are comfortable either way. Other than having ruled out a genetic explanation for this preference, researchers, researchers do not know why it exists. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Be sure to add this word, interdigitate, to your word bank or your mental word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today.
Coloratura is a noun, and this word originated in the 18th century. Coloratura means elaborate ornamentation of a vocal melody, especially in operatic singing by a soprano. Let's hear a little bit of history about the word coloratura. Like many words related to opera, coloratura came into English directly from Italian. The term coloratura is taken directly from the Italian for coloring. This connection of sound with color helps evoke the dazzling effect of hearing a top singer delivering coloratura. Awesome, awesome. Let's hear two examples of coloratura in a sentence. Though Mariah Carey is a pop singer, she brings elements of coloratura into her hit songs. The lead soprano captivated the audience with her flights of coloratura. I really like both of those examples. Did you know that coloratura is the vocal equivalent of instrumental embellishment, allowing virtuosic opera singers, traditionally sopranos, to show off their range and abilities through elaborate melodic structures in high octaves? The complex vocal embellishments in coloratura allow the listener to experience the full capacity of the singer and their voice. Wow, that is awesome to know. Be sure to add this word, coloratora, to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Polyhistor is a noun, and this word originated in the 16th century. Polyhistor is another term for polymath, a person of wide-ranging knowledge or learning. Let's hear a little history about the word polyhistor. The term polyhistor derives from the Greek polu, meaning very, and histor, meaning wise man. It's closely associated with the more common term polymath from manthanine meaning learning but it should be distinguished from the term polyglot which refers to a speaker of several languages awesome awesome let's go ahead and hear an example of polyhistor in a sentence looking at the bookshelf stacked with tomes on dozens of wide-ranging subjects i sensed the airbnb owner was a polyhistor my nephew is a polyhistor who always impresses me with the range of subjects he brings up for discussion. Awesome. Let's go ahead and hear a did you know fact. The public libraries exploded at the turn of the 20th century, helped especially by steel billionaire Andrew Carnegie's contribution of $60 million with which he opened 1,689 public libraries across the United States. Today, there are more than 115,000 public libraries operating in the United States alone. Now, much of the history of human thought and experience is available online for polyhistors to explore from every conceivable angle and location. 
wow, that's awesome to know. I did not know that there were so many public libraries operating in the United States. Be sure to add this word, polyhister, to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Epical is an adjective, and this word originated in the 17th century. Epical means forming or characterizing an epic, epic making. Let's hear a little history about the word epical. From the Latin epica, referring to the beginning of a new time period, the 17th century word epic means a period of time or history marked by significant events. The adjective epical describes the kinds of events that define a period of history as an epic. Awesome. Let's hear two examples of epical in a sentence. LeBron James has been an epical figure in the popularity of basketball, comparable to Michael Jordan in his time. The fall of the Berlin Wall was the last epical moment of the Cold War in the 20th century. Let's hear a did you know fact. We rarely think of events and moments in the present as being epical. In general, the era defining character of epical events only becomes clear with the passage of time. However, some events are so impressive and unprecedented that they are recognized immediately as epical, such as the moon landing or Serena Williams' eighth time ranking as the best single tennis player in the world. Awesome. I actually do enjoy these did you know facts because we get to learn new things along with our new word of the day. Be sure to add this word epical to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. I hope everyone did learn something new this week. Let's go ahead and do a quick recap of the new words that we learned. So we did learn about aptronym, decusset, barcarole, interdigitate, coloratura, polyhister, and epical. Be sure to add these words to your word bank and also try to use these words when speaking in everyday life. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new words you learned this week. Be sure to tune back in here next Sunday to learn seven new words. In the meantime, have yourself a great week and I will speak with you on Sunday. Good morning, world, and thank you for tuning in to You Are Your Own Motivation. I am your host, Moquette, and I am here with seven brand new words. So we are entering week three of expanding your vocabulary on a daily basis. As always, be sure to have your pen and your notepad handy or your mental word bank will do just fine. But let's go right ahead and get into this session.
Sejora is a noun, and this word originated in the 16th century. Sejora means, in modern verse, a pause near the middle of a line. Now let's hear a little bit of history about the word Sejora so that we can understand a bit more about it. The word Sejora comes directly from the Latin Sejora, referring to a pause in the meter of poetry. Please excuse my Latin if I mispronounce that word. So sejora pretty much comes in the form of poetry. So when someone's reading a poem, that pause, that's where this word originated from. But let's hear two examples of sejora in a sentence. A sejora in the lines of a nursery rhyme allows the person reciting it to take a breath. Super prefers singing with sejoras because it's easy to figure out when to breathe. I really like both of these examples because they give you a feel for the word. You know that it's a pause of some sort. So when you do think of sejora, you think of that pause, whether in poetry, whether in a nursery rhyme, uh, whether when, you know, when it's time pretty much to take a breath or a break. So keep that in mind. Let's hear a did you know fact. Anytime a group of people singing a song all take a short break at the same time, they are observing a sejora. One of the most familiar sejoras is the slight pause following the words, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America which began the Pledge of Allegiance. In fact, though it is only three lines long, the American Pledge of Allegiance contains several sejoras that contribute to its proud and solemn mood. That's awesome when you think about it. It's definitely a pause in between. Wow, awesome, awesome, awesome. Be sure to add this word, sejora, to your word bank or your mental word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Our word for today is circumfluent. Circumfluent is an adjective. This word originated in the 16th century. Circumfluent means flowing around, surrounding. Let's hear a little bit of history about the word circumfluent so that we can understand a bit more where it came from. Circumfluent was drawn directly from the Latin word circumfluere, meaning flowing around. It combines the prefix circum, meaning around, with fluere, meaning to flow. Circumfluent describes things that flow around or flow in a surrounding manner and can be used to describe anything that flows. Usually it's applied to air and water, but it can also describe land or geographical features that seem to flow. For example, the circumfluent forest surrounded by hunting lodge. Traditionally, the term was defined more broadly. In its original sense, circumfluent also applied to metaphorically flowing things, such as virtue or religious observance. Wow, awesome, awesome, awesome. So circumfluent is another word for flowing around or pretty much something that can describe anything that flows. Let's hear two examples of circumfluent in a sentence. At the top of the mountain, the circumfluent air is cold and clean. 
the circumfluent waters around the boat were calm. I really like both of these examples because you understand that it's something flowing. Pretty much, that's what it is. Flowing. Circumfluent. Be sure to add this word, circumfluent, to your word bank or your mental word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Enchiridion. Enchiridion is a noun, and this word was originated in the 16th century. Enchiridion is a book containing essential information on a subject. Nice. Let's hear a little bit of history about the word Enchiridion. The ancient Greek exerithius, meaning fitting in the hand, and Enchiridion came into English in the 16th century as a portable hand-sized guidebook. Wow. The modern handbook has its roots in Critian related to the Greek word for hand, traditionally a small, portable, manually widely used from early Greece through to the 19th century. Encridians were designed to keep useful information near at hand, including religious teachings, ethical advice, the rules of property, guidance for soldiers, and means of understanding the law. Wow, awesome, awesome, awesome. Encridian, let's hear two examples of this word in a sentence. Susan's prized possession is her mother's cookbook, an Encridian of the family's favorite dishes. Sheila published an Encridian about koala's behavior in social habits. Awesome. All right, let's think of our own examples for the word Encridian. Let's see. I read an Encridian about birds and insects in grade school. I feel like that was more of a, no, that is a simple containing essential information on a subject. All right, let's try another one. Um, my son brought home an Acridian from school. Well, I didn't really have a subject. Okay, let's try one more. Let's see. Um, you could go to the library and find Encridians on almost any and every subject. Yes, yes, yes. There it goes. I hope you all did come up with your own examples as well. Uh, be sure to add this word Encridian to your word bank and also try to use this word while speaking in everyday life. You see today we created examples of the word. Try to do that also. Just putting a word in a sentence and as always try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Ides. Ides is a plural noun, and this word originated in the late Old English. Ides means a day falling roughly in the middle of each month from which other dates were calculated. Let's hear some history about the word Ides so we can get a better understanding of what this word means. Ides draws upon the Latin Ides and the old French Ides, but the word is also related to a true skin I do wear, meaning to divide. Please excuse my Latin or French if I mispronounced any of those words. So pretty much 
the word Ides means days that fall in the middle of the month, specifically the 13th and the 15th, depending on how they fall, how the month and how the days fall that year. Okay, let's go ahead and hear two examples of Ides in a sentence. Dawn knew he couldn't take on any more work until at least the Ides. I arrived in Costa Rica in the Ides of September, the middle of the rainy season. Awesome, awesome. I'm gonna try something different today. I'm actually going to try to create my own sentence with the word Ides and I would like for you all to do the same. So let's take a few seconds to create our own sentences. Uh, let's see. I have a cousin whose birthday falls in the Ides of July. I think that's how it goes. Let's try another one. My best friend had her birthday party in the Ides of September. No, uh, <laughs> I feel like it's there. And then I feel like, I don't know if it's in the Ides of, let's try one more. My summer vacation will begin in July in the Ides. Yes, there we go. It took a few, but we got there. Okay, okay. I hope you all came up with an example or two or three like me, just so that you can get a better understanding of this word. Let's go ahead and hear a did you know fact. In ancient Roman times, Ides refer to a month's first new moon, which placed the Ides between the 13th and the 15th day of the month. The term has always been closely associated with Ides of March, mentioned in Shakespeare's history play, Julius Caesar, but there are Ides in every month. Formerly, the Ides are the 15th day of March, May, July, and October in the 13th of the other months. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So yes, the word Ides is a day that falls roughly in the middle of each month. Certain months have different days that that would fall on the 13th or the 15th. Be sure to add this word Ides to a, your word bank and also try to use this word while just speaking in everyday life or even texting. As always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Transmarine. Transmarine is an adjective and this word originated in the late 16th century. Transmarine means situated or originating on the other side of the sea. The second definition of or involving crossing the sea. So we know that the word transmarine has to do something with the sea. So keep that in mind. Let's hear some history about the word transmarine so that we can get a better understanding of this word. This word originates from the Latin transmarinus, from trans meaning across and marinus meaning marine of the sea. Please excuse my Latin if I mispronounce any of those words. Okay, okay, let's go ahead and hear two examples of transmarine in a sentence. The marine biologist put together a crew for a transmarine exploration. Some bird species make yearly transmarine migrations. Awesome. All right, so we are going to make our own sentences using this word. So let's take a quick 10 second silence break and let's create our own sentences.
Okay, okay, what did you come up with? So I came up with birds fly south for the winter, which means they transmarine back and forth. Yes, yes, yes. I think that sounds right. Yes. I hope you came up with a sentence as well. Let's go ahead and hear a did you know a fact. Millions of birds make transmarine journeys each year to a swath of the North Atlantic. Millions of birds make transmarine journeys each year to a swath of the North Atlantic Ocean for food. A new study in Conservation Letters says decades of tracking data found the migratory birds represent about two dozen species from both hemispheres. Several of the species studied are endangered, and the hope is that with this new data, these 600,000 square kilometers of international waters can become a protected area. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Be sure to add this word transmarine to your word bank. Also try to use this word while just speaking in everyday life. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Sapient. Sapient is an adjective and this word originated in the late 15th century. Sapient means formal wise or attempting to appear wise. So sapient wise or attempting to appear wise. When it's referring to chiefly in science fiction, it means intelligent. The second definition relating to the human species, homo sapient. Okay, so we know so far that the word sapient has to do with being wise or it relates to humans. All right, let's hear a little bit of history about this word so that we can get a better understanding. This word stems from Middle English and Middle French. It originated from the Latin sapient and sapiens from the present word of sapir, meaning to taste or be wise. Please excuse my Latin or my French if I mispronounced any of those words. All right, let's hear a little fun fact about this word. Human beings have long been considered the only sapient creatures in the animal kingdom. But animal rights organizations like whale and dolphin conservation believe whales and dolphins are sentient and sapient creatures who deserve to have their rights recognized and welfare protected. Many of these species live in complex social groups and show complex behavior such as cooperation, tool use, and even have their own cultures. Wow, that is awesome to know. Let's hear two examples of sapient in a sentence. Extraterrestrials are usually written to be highly sapient beings in fiction. Humans are considered to be the most sapient creature on earth. Awesome. I really like both of these examples. I feel like both examples, um, were able to break down both definitions of this word. So let's take a quick 10 second silence break and let's create our own sentences with sapient.
Okay, okay. What did we come up with? All right, so let's hear. I my example is the movie War of the Worlds was one of the best movies that really showed the war on sapiens. Yeah, it was a little long, but it's still a sentence. I hope you did come up with a sentence as well to be able to get a better feeling for this word. So be sure to add this word to your word bank and also try to use this word while speaking in everyday life. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Kinesis is a noun, and this word originated in the early 17th century. So kinesis has two different definitions. The first one means movement, motion. The second definition refers to biology and zoology. Biology, which is an undirected movement of a cell, organism, or part in response to an external stimulus. And zoology is the mobility of the bones of the skull, as in some birds and reptiles. I know that was a lot as far as the definition, but pretty much kinesis is either movement and motion, or it has to do with uh, movement of cells, which are organisms. And as far as animals, it will be the mobility of the bones of the skull. Okay, so we keep that in mind. All right, let's go ahead and let's hear some history about the word kinesis so that we can get a better understanding. This word comes from the Greek kinesis, meaning movement, originally from kinine, meaning to move. Please excuse my Greek if I mispronounce that word. Let's hear a quick did you know fact as well. You may be more familiar with kinesis as a suffix, implying movement than a standalone word. For example, telekinesis is a psychic ability that allows a person to move an object without a physical interaction. Halokinesis is the study of salt tectonics and karyokinesis or karyokinesis is the division of a cell nucleus during mitosis. Wow, awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's go ahead and hear two examples of kinesis in a sentence. Sam focused his study on biological kinesis. Natalie possessed a great amount of kinesis and flexibility. Awesome, awesome. I really like both of these sentences. So let's go ahead and take a quick 10 seconds to create our own sentences using the word kinesis. Okay, okay. What did you come up with? Be sure to hit the message link and you can let me know uh, the examples that you did come up with. It is located right below this segment. I would love to hear your examples. I know you hear mine, but I would love to hear the sentences that you create. But I came up with when I exercise daily, the kinesis in my body is constant. Yes, yes, yes. I hope you did come up with your example as well. I would love to hear what your sentence that you created using the word kinesis 
is also. So be sure to hit the message link or just leave me a message on you or your motivation. But be sure to add this word kinesis to your word bank. Also try to use this word while talking in everyday life. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. A quick recap of the words we did learn this week. Sejora, circumfluent, Ides, Encridian, Transmarine, Sapient, and Kinesis. Be sure to add these words to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new words you learned today. Be sure to tune back in here next Sunday to hear a fresh set of seven new words words. As always, remain humble, be careful out there, and I will talk with you all next week. Hey, hey, good morning world, and thank you for tuning in to You Are Your Own Motivation. I am your host, and I am here with seven brand new words that will help you expand your vocabulary on a daily basis. So if this is your first time here, be sure to be prepared with either a pen and a notepad handy, or your mental word bank will do just fine. But let's go right ahead and get into today's segment. Mahalo. Mahalo is an exclamation, and this word originated in the 19th century. Mahalo means mainly in Hawaii, it's used to express gratitude. Awesome, awesome. Let's hear a bit of history about the word mahalo so we can get a better feeling of this word. So Mahalo appeared in English for the first time in American missionary Lauren Andrews' 1865 English Hawaiian Dictionary. In modern use, Mahalo is frequently used as a Hawaiian stand-in for thanks. Though prior to contact with Europeans, with Europeans, Hawaiians had no specific equivalent term for thank you. Wow, awesome. Who would have thought of that? Let's go ahead and hear two examples of mahalo in a sentence. The woman handed me a leg and I said, mahalo. My aunt expressed her mahalo at the beauty of the world to which she woke every morning. I really like both of those examples. Let's go ahead and take a quick 10 second silence break and let's create our own sentences using the word mahalo. All right, all right. What did you come up with? Be sure to let me know. Either leave me a comment or send me a voice message. So let's see. My example, my sentence with using the word mahalo would be... I am extremely grateful. I am extremely mahalo every morning when I wake up. Yes, it does sound a bit similar to the other sentence, the example sentence, but hey, I created my own, right? Yes, yes, yes. I hope you all did too. And like I said, if you'd like to share your uh, sentence with me, then by all means, get to sharing. 
But let's go ahead and hear a did you know fact about the word mahalo. The Hawaiian mahalo is believed to be derived from the Proto-Polynesian word masalo. And both express a form of significant gratitude more firmly rooted in the culture than simply saying thank you. In fact, using mahalo to mean thank you is a modern innovation in its original form. Mahalo is more of a statement about one's gratitude for being alive and to other people and the natural world for coexisting alongside one. Awesome. Awesome. So keep that in mind. The Hawaiian word to say thank you is Mahalo. Be sure to add this word mahalo to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Approbate. Approbate is a verb and this word originated in the 15th century. Approbate means approve formally sanction. Wow, that was nice, short, and sweet. Let's hear a bit of history about the word approbate so that we can get a better feeling for the word. So approbate is derived from Latin, mingling, meaning to probare, which means try or test, and approbat, meaning approved. Together, the term suggests the kind of approval that can stand up to test of its legitimacy. Though the term was common among English-speaking countries, it fell out of use in Europe in the 17th century and has continued to be used primarily in the United States. Wow, who would have known? Let's go ahead and hear two examples of approbate in a sentence. In order to build a shed, the city council needed to approbate my project with a building permit. My boss approbated my expenses from my trip to the trade show. Wow, awesome. Those are two really good, awesome examples of using approbate in a sentence. So let's take our quick 10 second silence break and let's form our own sentences using the word approbate. All right, all right, all right. What did you come up with? So let's see, my example, well, my sentence, I feel like I say that every time. My sentence using the word approbate would be that me creating my segments, I would like to, no, 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 that's not it. Uh, let's see. Um, so I'm actually forming a group that I would like to approbate in the future. Ah, uh, that's a bit shaky. Let's see. Let's see. So I, I hope you all did come up with a sentence a lot quicker than I did, but this is all the fun of learning a new word, right? Because it just, it gives you the knowledge to be able to use this word. You know what I mean? If you just had to, if it's, it's, Let's get back to it. So um, my example, my sentence for using the word approbate would be, so approbated is to approve formally. So approbate is, is almost another word for approve. Okay, so in order for me to take PTO time, my supervisor has to approbate 
my requests. Yes, there we go. Yes, yes, yes. I had to actually take a second look at the definition to create my own word. But I hope you all did come up with your own sentences using the word approbate. And as always, you can either leave me a comment just to uh, show a sentence that you did come up with, or you can leave me a voice message. But let's go ahead and keep it moving and let's hear a fun fact about the word approbate. So approbate is often used in the context of legal wills, where it is frequently paired with the contrary verb reprobate, meaning in the legal context to reject. In legal discussions, approbate often means accept rather than formally approve. The most common pairing of these verbs is used to suggest a person cannot approbate a will while also reprobating it. In plainer language, that means someone cannot accept the terms of some part of a will. For example, the part in which they receive inheritance while also denying the legitimacy of other parts of the will, perhaps to argue another person should not receive an inheritance. Wow, I feel like I just learned something new. I don't know about you all, but I just learned something new. So be sure to add this word approbate to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Firth is a noun, and this word originated in the 15th century. So, Firth means a narrow inlet of the sea, an estuary. Let's hear a bit of history about the word Firth to get a better understanding of this word. So, Firth entered Middle English through the Scots language, which took it from the Old Norse word. And I'm actually going to spell this word. I am assuming, I don't like to assume, but it would be Fajor. But the spelling of this word is F-J-O-R-T-H-R. And that's Old Norse language. But this is also the root of Fajord a similar term though. A fjord is partly defined by its position in a narrow valley between high cliffs. By contrast, a firth need only be a smaller inlet without any other geographical specificity. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, let's go ahead and hear two examples of Firth in a sentence. At the mouth of the Clyde River outside of Glasgow, there's a Firth with the deepest coastal waters in the British Isles. A Firth can provide a natural demarcation point, such as the Solway Firth, which is used to divide England from Scotland. Those are two really, really, really good examples. All right, it is our time to take our quick 10-second break so that we can create our own sentences using the word Firth. All right, all right. What did you come up with? That 10 seconds comes and goes so fast, doesn't it? All right, so let's see. My example for creating a sentence using the word firth would be, so let's go back to the definition. A firth is a narrow inlet of the sea, an estuary. All right, so I have not personally heard about, no, no, that's not. 
this is the very first time that I have ever heard about a Firth even being a thing. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's in the middle, but this was a really, really tough one. I don't know about you all, but this was actually a pretty tough one. So I'm going to roll with that. I hope you all did come up with some better sentences than I did because that was a bit shaky. But let's go ahead and hear a fun fact about the word while similar types of inlets exist all over the world's waterways, the ones called firths are primarily found in Scotland, which was where the word developed from its old Norse roots and entered English. The difference between firths and estuaries is not always distinct in Scotland. Estuaries are usually coastal bodies of water connected to the sea where freshwater and seawater mingle, while firths only contain only salt water. However, because there's a rarely a clear demarcation between firth and estuary, some Scots use the two terms interchangeably. Wow, awesome, awesome, awesome to know. Be sure to add this word, Firth, to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Confute. Confute is a verb, and this word originated in the 16th century. Confute means prove a person or an assertion to be wrong. So it's another word to prove someone wrong. Who would have thought? Let's hear a bit of history about the word confute to get a better understanding. Confute is derived from the Latin confutare, meaning to answer conclusively. It builds upon refutare, the basis of similar word refute, adding the prefix con, meaning all together. Awesome, awesome. Let's go ahead and hear two examples of confute in a sentence. The student confuted the professor with a logical proof. After some research, I was able to confute the belief that fruit trees couldn't grow in this climate. Awesome examples. All right, let's go ahead and try to create our own sentences using the word confute. We're gonna take a quick 10 second silence break and let's see what we come up with. Yes, yes, yes. All right. What did you all come up with? I hope you were using your thinking caps, but let's go ahead and hear my example of using confute in a sentence. So let's see. I would have to say that I have finally come to the understanding that I do not have to, I do not have to think in a confute mindset to live life. Ah, do I like that? Let's see. Yeah, it's a little long, but hey, I feel like I still use the word because I don't feel like I have to live 
in the mindset of proving someone wrong. Yes. I feel like I hit the nail on the head. I hope you all, well, not a hundred percent, but we were close enough, but I hope you all did come up with your examples as well. I would love to hear what you came up with. Be sure to leave me a comment or you can send me a voice message. So let's go ahead and hear a fun fact about the word confute. Confute is similar to refute and it shares an etymological root. The difference between the two words is that confute has traditionally been a verb applied to proving a person or people wrong, while refute is applied only to proving ideas wrong. Consequently, one may refute a claim or confute the person who made the claim. Yes, I really like this word confute. Be sure to add this word, confute, to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learn today. Canalize. Canalize is a verb. This word originated in the 19th century. Canalize means convert a river into a navigable canal. The second definition convey something through a duck or channel. Awesome, awesome. Let's hear a bit of history about the word canalize to get a better understanding of this word. This word comes from the French canal or chanel, meaning water channel, tube, pipe, or gutter. It originates from the Latin canalis, meaning water, pipe, groove, or channel. It is combined with eyes or I-Z-E, a word forming element used to make verbs. Awesome, awesome. Please do excuse my French or my Latin if I mispronounced any of those words. All right, let's go ahead and hear two examples of canalize in a sentence. Part of leading a nonprofit is to canalize donations where they're most necessary. The civil engineers agreed to canalize the river in a new direction. Awesome examples. All right, it is our time to create our own sentences using the word canalize. Let's go ahead and take a quick 10 second silence break and let's see what we come up with. All right, what did you all come up with? So my example using the word canalize in a sentence would be, Every morning that I go to work, I always seem to drive through a bunch of construction that is being canalized. No, um, creating podcasts for me has canalized my outlook on life. Yes, actually, I like that. 
I actually, I do like that. Yes, yes, yes. I hope you all do too. And I hope you did create your own sentences using the word canalize. So let's keep it moving and hear a fun fact about our new word canalize. Let's go ahead and hear a fun fact about the word canalize. The process of canalizing can occur in a few ways in the human body and repetition is key. In neuroscience, it is when the hypothetical process of a neural pathway's repeated use leads to greater ease of transmission of impulses, essentially what happens in the brain when people form habits. Over time, the process becomes permanent. In psychology, canalization is when a person channels their needs into fixed patterns of gratification, such as food or recreational preferences. Wow, awesome, awesome. That is awesome to learn. All right, be sure to add this word, canalize, to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. A quiver. A quiver is an adjective, and this word originated in the Middle English. A quiver means in a state of excitement. The second definition, trembling. Awesome. I always thought a quiver. Let's keep reading. Let's go ahead and hear a bit of history about the word a quiver to get a better understanding of this word. Looking deep into the history of a quiver, it shares roots with a Middle English word quiver, meaning agile or quick. Someone who is a quiver with excitement might move quickly with all of their anxious energy. Awesome, awesome to learn. Let's hear two examples of a quiver in a sentence. I was all a quiver when I heard the news that my favorite movie store was in town. The combination of the thrilling news and the icy chill had me a quiver. Awesome examples. Yes, yes, yes. All right, let's go ahead and create our own sentences using the word a quiver. We're going to take a quick 10 second silence break and let's see what we come up with. All right, so let's see, that was a little over 10 seconds. But all right, let's see. So my example using the word a quiver in a sentence. My entire outlook on life is in a quiver because that's the way it should be. Yes, awesome, awesome. I kind of like that example. It's shaky, but I like it. I hope you all did create your own sentences using the word a quiver. Be sure to always share them with me if you would like, or you can leave me a voice comment with your examples but let's go ahead and hear a quick fun fact about the word a quiver a quiver first appeared in english in 1864 and its roots come from the prefix a which in this sense means in and quiver meaning to shake literally it means to be in a state of shaking wow that is awesome to learn. So I did say that originally I had thought that when I seen the word a quiver, I had thought of quiver, like quivering, you know, so that was actually a great thing to learn. I hope you all did 
take notes on this word a quiver be sure to add this word to your word bank and as always try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today Masticate. Masticate is a verb, and this word originated in the 17th century. Masticate means to chew food. The second definition, to crush into pulp. Awesome. I would have never thought that this word would have meant to chew food. Let's go ahead and hear some history about the word masticate so that we can get a better understanding. Where did chewing or masticating come from? We owe the process by which we eat nearly all foods to mammalian herbivores. In fact, carnivorous animals actually hardly chew at all. Their jaws are designed to rip food free and swallow it whole. This explains the origin of the phrase, woofing it down. Wow, that is awesome to know. All right, let's go ahead and hear two examples of masticate in a sentence. His injured jaw left him unable to masticate his meals. Rhinos have a unique way of masticating the leaves and branches they eat throughout their lives. Wow, awesome. Those are two really, really, really good examples. So let's go ahead and create our own examples using the word masticate. We're going to take a quick 10 second silence break and we'll see what we come up with. All right, all right. What is your example of using masticate in a sentence? Please be sure to share it with me at You Are Your Own Motivation, or you can leave me a quick voice message. All right, so my example using the word masticate in a sentence would have to be, let's see, this shouldn't be a hard one either. Um, most people learn how to masticate at an early age. Yeah, I mean, it sounds a bit weird. It sounds like it could be a couple different words. I'm just going to change my sentence. All right, so let's see. Um, I was so hungry. I masticated my food like it was the last day on earth. Yes, I like that example. I hope you all do too. And I hope you did create your own examples using the word masticate. So be sure to add this word masticate to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Hey, good morning world, and thank you for tuning in to You Are Your Own Motivation. This is where we do expand our vocabulary on a daily basis. So if this is your first time here, welcome, welcome, welcome. Be sure to be prepared with either a pen and a notepad handy, or your mental word bank will do just fine. But let's go right ahead and get into this week's session. Cicatrix. Cicatrix is a noun, and this word originated in the 17th century. Cicatrix means the scar of a healed wound. 
let's hear a little bit of history about the word cicatrix so that we can get a better understanding of this word. So cicatrix is drawn directly from the Latin cicatrix, meaning a scar or a bruise. And it refers to the scar created by new tissue that the body generates to heal a wound. Wow, that is really awesome. Let's hear two examples of cicatrix in a sentence. Though the wound in Roger's leg healed quickly, it left a distinct cicatrix. A teenage bicycle accident left me with a cicatrix on my forehead that's only visible when I've got a tan. Wow, I really like both of those examples. They really pull the word cicatrix into the sentence to make you understand exactly what it means. All right, so let's go ahead and take our quick 10 second silence break and let's create our own sentences using the word cicatrix. All right, all right. What did you come up with? Be sure to share your examples with me by either leaving a voice message. The link is provided right below, or you can leave me a comment at you are your own motivation. All right, so my example, well, my sentence using the word cicatrix would have to be the cicatrix on my arm reminds me when I fell off my bike when I was a kid. Yes, yes, yes. I like that. I mean, it's pretty simple, but that's the point of this exercise, right? Is to be able to understand the word and be able to also use this word in a sentence. I hope you all did come up with some great sentences as well. Uh, be sure to share them with me if you like, but let's go ahead and keep things moving. And let's go ahead and hear a fun fact about the word cicatrix. A cicatrix or a scar has a job in healing. In the early stages of recovering from injury, the body first generates a fresh layer of tissue to protect the wound before gradually developing a cicatrix that will be strong enough to protect the healing wound from a variety of stimulation, such as pressure, stretching, or scratching. The tissue that develops into a cicatrix is slightly different from healthy skin, in part because it needs to be elastic to be protective. For this reason, a cicatrix is often a different color or texture than the skin around it. Wow, that is awesome to know. And if you think if you actually did get a cut or a wound of some sort, you know, especially if it was like a pretty, um, a pretty deep one, you know, you actually get to watch it heal, you know, you see the cut and then it goes pink and then it goes red and then it starts to form, you know, the scar. Yes, that is your cicatrix. Yes, yes, yes. Be sure to add this word cicatrix to your word bank or your mental word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Repetend. Repetend is a noun, and this word originated in the 18th century. Repetend means a recurring word or phrase, a refrain. Let's hear some history about the word repetent so we can get a better understanding of this word. So the term is derived from the Latin repetendum, meaning something to be repeated. 
The Latin root itself is related to repetere, from which the English verb repeat is derived. Awesome, awesome. All right, let's hear two examples of repetend in a sentence. The song ended in a repetend of the first line of the chorus, which the singers repeated at least 10 times. Edgar Allan Poe uses the repetend nevermore several times in the poem, The Raven, to great effect. I really like both of those examples. So let's go ahead and take our 10 second silence break and let's come up with our own sentences using the word repetend. All right, what did you come up with? Be sure to share your examples with me. You can either leave me a voice message, the link is provided right below, or you can leave me a comment at you are your own motivation. Okay, so my example, I say that every time, my sentence using the word repetend would have to be every time I create a new segment, I use the same repetend while opening my segment. Yes, it's a bit shaky, but hey, like I said, the reasons we do these exercises are so that we can get a better understanding of these words. I hope you all did come up with your sentences using the words repetend, using the word repetend. And like I said, you can always share it with me if you like. But let's go ahead and hear a fun fact about the word repetend. In poetry, a repetend or refrain has the effect of focusing the reader on a recurring motive. Each time a poem returns to its repetend, it provides an increasingly strong reminder of the ideas or images the poet wishes the reader to consider. Repetends often appear at the beginning or end of poetic verses, such as Walt Whitman repeating, Oh, Captain, my Captain, or Robert Frost's repetent of in miles to go before I sleep. Positioning a repetent as the first or last part of a verse helps remind readers these repeated motives are central to the poem. That is awesome to know. So always keep that in mind. So a repetent is a recurring word or phrase. Be sure to add this word or repetent to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. A stern. A stern is an adverb. And this word originated in the 17th century. A stern means behind or toward the rear of a ship or aircraft. The second definition of a ship, backward, stern, foremost. Let's hear a little bit of history about the word astern so we can get a better understanding of this word. Astern is simply a compound of a, meaning toward, and stern, a term derived from the Old North, storn, meaning control. It's also a root for the word to steer. Wow, awesome. Let's hear two examples of a stern in a sentence. Emma's daughter sat in front of the boat 
while Emma sat astern and talked with the man working the outboard motor. In a traditional canoe, the paddler who sits astern is responsible for steering the vessel. Awesome, awesome. I really like both of those examples. They really tell you what the word means. Let's go ahead and take our 10 second silence break and let's create our own sentences using the word astern. All right, what did you come up with? Be sure to share your examples with me by either leaving me a voice message. The link is provided below, or you can leave me a comment at you are your own motivation. All right, so my example, my sentence using the word astern would have to be in the movie Titanic, Jack and Rose stood astern and got to experience the feeling of flying while on a boat. Yes, awesome, awesome. It's a bit shaky, but like I always say, these exercises are used for us to understand the word a bit better. So let's go ahead and hear a fun fact about the word astern. Nautical terms for direction are different from those used on land. The opposite of stern, meaning the rear of a vessel, is bow, meaning the front in place of left and right. Nautical language uses port and starboard. All of these terms entered English between the 16th and 17th centuries, mostly from Old Norse and Germanic roots. However, while the words asterboard, a port, and a bow still exist in rare occasions, only a stern is an adverb still in common usage. Wow, that is awesome to know. Be sure to add this word astern to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Palladium. Palladium is a noun, and this word originated in the 19th century. Palladium means a safeguard or source of protection. The second definition, the chemical element of atomic number 46, a rare silvery white metal resembling platinum. Awesome, awesome. Let's go ahead and hear some history about the word palladium so that we can get a better understanding of this word. Palladium is named for Pallas Athena, the Greek goddess of war and wisdom believed to protect and watch over Greek cities, above all Athens after which she was named and not vice versa. By the 14th century, anything that offered protection was sometimes called a palladium in her honor. Wow, that is awesome to know. Let's go ahead and hear two examples of palladium in a sentence. During hard times, Ellen treated her faith as a palladium that would protect her from despair. For many young viewers, TV host Mr. Rogers was a palladium of childhood. Awesome. I, I really like both of these examples. They really give me the true definition of the word palladium. So let's go ahead and take our 10 second silence break and create our own sentences using the word palladium.
All right, what did you come up with? Be sure to share your example with me by either leaving me a voice message or leaving me a comment at you are your own motivation. So my sentence, almost did it, my sentence using the word palladium would have to be that my family has always been my palladium since I was a young girl. Yes, 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 yes. I hope you all did come up with your own examples as well. And always keep in mind that this is just a quick exercise for us to be able to understand this word so much better. But let's go ahead and hear a fun fact about the word palladium. Palladium has two completely different definitions. In one case, the word describes something that offers protection, but it's also a rare metallic element resembling both platinum and silver. Chemist William Hyde Wollaston discovered the substance in 1803 and named it palladium after the asteroid palace, which had been identified the previous year. Awesome. And I did actually think that when I did hear both definitions of this word, usually when a word has two definitions, they're usually pretty close, you know, meaning they, they're usually pretty close in the true in the meaning of the word, but palladium, it has two different definitions and they're two totally different things, but be sure to add this word palladium to your word bank. And as always try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. This role. Visceral is an adjective, and this word originated in the 16th century. Visceral means relating to the viscera. The second definition, relating to deep inward feelings rather than to the intellect. Let's hear a little bit of history about the word visceral so we can get a better understanding of this word. So visceral is based on the Latin viscus, meaning the internal organs or bowels of the torso, which are known in English as viscera. As an adjective, visceral refers to that which affects the body's internal organs and is used in both a literal and figurative sense. Awesome to know. Let's go ahead and hear two examples of visceral in a sentence. A visceral reaction is an emotion one feels in one's guts. Visceral art often exposes the viewer to intense images and provokes equally intense emotions. Really, really, really good examples. So let's go ahead and take our 10 second silence break and let's come up with our own sentences using the word visceral. All right, all right. What did you come up with? Be sure to share your example with me by either leaving a voice message or sending me a comment at you are your own motivation. So my sentence using the word visceral would have to be, I've always been a type of person that never showed a visceral reaction of how I truly felt. Yes, awesome, awesome. It's a bit shaky, but 
as always, you know, we do these exercises so that we can understand the word better ourselves. And we also know if we were to bring this word up, you know, in conversation, we knew exactly what we were talking about. But I hope you all did come up with your own sentences using the word visceral, and you can always share them with me if you like. But let's keep it moving and let's hear a fun fact about the word visceral. Those who don't know the word visceral still likely know gut feeling, which is a more accessible expression of the same idea. Thanks to the late medieval idea that the body's viscera, a repository for feelings, wisdom, and instincts, English speakers have long associated the gut with emotions of many kinds, from uncertainty to repulsion, to trust, to gratitude. Anytime a person reports a feeling deep in their guts, what they're describing is a visceral experience. Awesome, awesome, yes. So always keep that in mind that when someone has a feeling that is deep in their guts, then that's another way to say visceral. Be sure to add this word visceral to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Glissade. Glissade is a noun, and this word originated in the mid-19th century. Glissade actually has two definitions. The first definition, a way of sliding down a steep slope of snow or ice, typically on the feet with the support of an ice axe. The second definition refers to ballet, a movement typically used as a joining step in which one leg is brushed outward from the body, which then takes the weight while the second leg is brushed in to meet it. Wow, those were two really good definitions of this word glissade. So let's go ahead and hear some history about the word glissade so we can get a better understanding of this word. The glissade comes from the French verb glisser, meaning to slip or slide. In English, we use glissade as a noun to describe movements that take on the slipping and sliding characteristic, but it can also be used as a verb glissading down the mountain in a glissade. It's not the strongest writing, but it's still accurate. Yes, so this word can actually be used in different contexts. So always keep that in mind. So let's hear two examples of glissade in a sentence. Attempting a glissade was the only way down the mountain. The glissade serves as the transition between the more difficult dance steps. Those were two really good examples. I feel like both examples gave you a true meaning of what the word means in both definitions. So let's go ahead and take our 10 second silence break and let's create our own sentences using the word glissade. Okay, okay, what did you come up with? Be sure to share your example with me by either leaving a voice message, the link is right below, or you can chime in on my example of using the word glissade in a sentence would have to be, I have, I have been snow tubing, 
but I have yet to glissade down the hillside. Uh, it's in the middle, but like I said, you know, these exercises are always just used for us to get a better understanding of the word and for us to also just be able to just speak the word out into the universe, you know, as always spread some knowledge. Yes. But I hope you all did come up with your own examples, your own sentences using the word glissade. And like I always say, you can always share them with me if you like, but let's keep things moving and let's go ahead and hear a fun fact about the word glissade. A glissade is a type of movement, but the exact execution of it depends on the context. If you're on an icy mountain, you can slide down in a glissade. This glissade might occur on a dance floor, or you might be disarming your fencing opponent with a glissade. Wow, that is awesome to know. I really like this word because this word has two different definitions, yes, but this word can also be used in so many different type of contexts. It just depends on exactly what you're talking about in the way that you're saying this word. So always keep that in mind. But be sure to add this word, glissade, to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Appurtenance. Appurtenance is a noun, and this word originated in the 14th century. Appurtenance has two definitions. The first definition is a complementary but not necessary accessory. The second definition refers to legal, a right or privilege that accompanies the principal property. Wow, it's another one of those words that has two different definitions that aren't very similar but the word can mean a few different things. But let's go ahead and hear some history about the word appurtenance so that we can get a better understanding. You can trace this noun back to the French verb appartenir, which means to belong to. Go back even further and you'll arrive at the Latin appartenio, which means I belong. The English noun Appurtenance holds this meaning as objects that belong to a certain category. And please do excuse my French and my Latin if I did mispronounce any of those words. But let's go ahead and hear two examples of appurtenance in a sentence. She decorated her new car with fun appurtenances such as fuzzy seat covers and a phone holder. The shed on the fence line was considered an appurtenance for the sale of the property. I really like both of these examples. So with that being said, let's go ahead and take our 10 second silence break and let's create our own sentences using the word appurtenance. All right, what did you come up with? You know, you can always leave me a voice message so you can share your example with me or you can leave a comment at you are your own motivation. So my example, my sentence using the word appurtenance in a sentence would have to be my costume jewelry is the appurtenance of my entire outfit. 
Yes, I like that because it's it's a complimentary but not necessary accessory. You know, so if you're someone that wears costume jewelry, you know, it may not be necessary to wear it, but it does complement your outfit, right? Yes. I hope you all did come up with your own sentences using the word appurtenance. And as always, you know, you can share your examples with me if you like. But let's go ahead and keep things moving and let's hear a fun fact about the word appurtenance. You can use appurtenance to describe specific objects or use it in a general sense to talk about equipment associated with a particular category. In a specific sense, these items are supplemental accessories. In a general sense, they're more like qualifiers. These items designate a type of person or activity. Yes, yes. So be sure to keep that in mind that a pertinence is something that complements something else. So be sure to add this word, a pertinence, to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. I hope you all did enjoy this week's new set of words. And I hope you all did expand your vocabulary on a daily basis or a weekly basis, depending how you listen to the segment. So let's go ahead and do a quick recap of the words that we did learn this week. So we have cicatrix, repetend, astern, palladium, visceral, glissade, and a pertinence. So I hope you all did take notes and add these words to your mental word bank. And as always, try to spread some knowledge and just let the next know about new words that you're learning or new words that you learn so that we can all learn something new. But be sure to tune back in here next week to learn a new set of seven fresh new words. And in the meantime, have an awesome week And I'll talk with you all later. Hey, what's up world? I thank you all for tuning in and listening to Always Be Your Own Vibe. Here today on Expanding Your Vocabulary on a Daily Basis, we are going to learn seven new words. So as always, be sure to be prepared with either your notepad in a pen handy or your mental word bank will do just fine. But let's go right ahead and get into this week's session. Judder. Judder is a verb and this word originated in the early 20th century. Judder means, especially of something mechanical, to shake and vibrate rapidly and with force. So judder is to shake and vibrate something rapidly with force. Awesome. Let's hear a bit of history about the word judder so that we can get a better understanding. So this word was first used around the 1930s, likely as an imitative of the word shudder. I don't know if you ever heard the word shudder, but shudder and judder. Let's go ahead and hear two examples of judder in a sentence. The gear shift would judder every time Mark started the car. The girl juddered in the cold breeze because she wasn't dressed warmly. 
awesome, awesome examples. Let's go ahead and create our own sentences using the word jetter. Okay, okay, what did you come up with? Be sure to share your sentences with me uh, if you prefer, but let's go ahead and hear mine. So my example of my sentence using the word judder would have to be, sometimes when I wake my nephew up in the morning for school, I have to judder him because he's such a deep sleeper. Yes, yes, yes. I like that example. Be sure to share your examples with me and I hope you all did come up with one uh, just so you can get a better understanding of this word. But let's go ahead and hear a did you know fun fact about the word judder. When the motion is a little choppy on the TV, this is known as judder. In more technical terms, it occurs when the frame rate of the content on the screen doesn't divide evenly into the refresh rate of the TV it's playing on. This often happens when displaying cinematic 24p content on a panel that uses a refresh rate of 60hz, meaning the display refreshes 60 times every second. Awesome to know. If you did not know, now you know. But be sure to add this word judder to your vocabulary bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Brackish. Brackish is an adjective and this word originated in the 16th century. Brackish also has two different definitions. The first one is of water, which means slightly salty, as in the mixture of river water and seawater in estuaries. The second definition means unpleasant or distasteful. Wow, that's a really, really, really good definition of this word. Let's go ahead and hear some history about this word so that we can get a better understanding. So the root for brackish is the Dutch brack, meaning salty. Between the 16th and 17th century, brackish existed in English alongside brack, a term meaning salt or salt water. Brack fell out of use by the 19th century, but brackish is still in common use. Awesome to know. Let's go ahead and hear two examples of brackish in a sentence. The fish we caught tasted as brackish as the water we pulled them out of. The water in the bay was so brackish that we could smell the salt more than a block away. Wow, that has to be some really, really salty water. But let's go ahead and create our own sentences using the word brackish. All right, what did you come up with? Be sure to share your example with me by either leaving a voice comment or leaving me a comment on always be your own vibe. So my example, my sentence using the word brackish would have to be the smell of chitlins is extremely brackish to me and turns my stomach every time. Yes, there we go. That's a bit better. Yes, because to me, I don't like the smell of chitlins. You know, the way that they smell. I don't, I don't even eat them. I don't like the way that they taste, you know. So for me, that smell is extremely 
brackish. So be sure to, well, I hope you all did come up with your examples using the word brackish in a sentence. And like I always say, you can share them with me if you prefer, but let's go ahead and keep it moving and let's hear a fun fact about the word brackish. Though brackish is still intermittently used to describe salt water, the term has always had a secondary meaning suggesting something that has been ruined or spoiled, such as fresh water that has been rendered undrinkable by the addition of salt water. This meaning extends back to the words etymological ancestor. In Dutch, as in English, Brack means both salty water and also bad. In fact, one modern meaning of brack in Dutch is hungover, though that definition has not yet made it to English. Awesome, awesome, awesome to know. So if you happen to wake up one day and you had a hangover, another word that you could utilize is brackish. Awesome. Be sure to add this word brackish to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Fossick. Fossick is an verb and this word originated in the mid 19th century. So Fossick does have two definitions. The first definition is informal, which means to rummage or search. The second definition is to search for gold in abandoned workings. Awesome to know. Let's go ahead and hear a bit of history about the word Fossick. This term was coined in the 1850s by Australians and New Zealanders, but it may be rooted in a word known to British immigrants, Fossock, a dialect term meaning to bustle about or to fidget. Wow, awesome to know. Let's go ahead and hear two examples of Fossick in a sentence. Alvin went to the flea market to Fossick for interesting trinkets. The prospectors went to great lengths to Fossick for gold. Wow, awesome sentences once again. Let's go ahead and create our own sentences using the word Fossick. right what did you come up with be sure to share your examples with me you can either leave a voice message or you can send me a comment on always be your own vibe so my sentence using the word faucet would have to be when I choose to carry a big purse a faucet around the purse until I find what I'm looking for Yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's a bit shaky. It was a bit short, but at the same time, y'all know these exercises are just used for us to get a better understanding of the word. But I hope you all did come up with your own sentences using the word faucet. So let's go on ahead and let's hear a quick did you know fact about the word faucet because faucet is a term that became popular with the 19th century Aussies and Kiwis who picked over abandoned mining excavations to search for gold or gemstones. In Australia, fossicking is protected by a number of laws which vary from state to state. For example, in Queensland, fossickers must obtain a license, but in New South Wales, there is no such requirement. Interestingly, searching for opal has its own specific term, which is 
noodling, which is also a term for catfish fishing in the Southern United States. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I really love these did you know facts because you learn something new about the word and then you also learn something new that you may not have even known. But be sure to add this word fossic to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Lacunia. Lacunia is a noun, and this word originated in the mid-17th century. So Lacunia also has two definitions. The first being an unfilled space or interval, a gap, a missing portion in a book or manuscript. The second definition refers to anatomy, which means a cavity or depression, especially in bone. Wow, those are two totally different Um, meanings of this word so I'm going to guess that they can actually be used in so many different contexts but let's keep on going and let's hear some history about the word lacunia so this word comes from the latin lacunia meaning whole pit or in a figurative sense a gap void or what it is a diminutive of lacus meaning pond lake hollow or opening. And please excuse my Latin if I did mispronounce any of those words. But that is awesome to know. Let's hear two examples of lacuna in a sentence. <laughs> the lacuna in the manuscript made it a confusing read. Her forearm had a lacuna due to improper bone development. Wow, awesome examples. I really like how each example. Uh, gave you the each sentence gave you an example of the definition both definitions of the word so let's go ahead and create our own sentences using the word lacuna Right, all right. Be sure to share your examples with me by either leaving a voice comment or leaving me a message. So, my example using lacuna in a sentence would have to be the entire COVID 19 pandemic has most definitely placed a big lacuna in everything that we do. Yes, like I really feel like it goes with it because I do feel like, you know, the whole entire pandemic has definitely put a big space or void in between so many different things that we were so used to doing prior to the pandemic. But I hope you all did come up with your examples as well. If you'd like, be sure to share them with me. But let's go ahead and hear a fun fact about the word lacuna. Lacunas can pop up across many disciplines. In music, a lacuna is an extended intentional passage during which notes are played. A scientific lacuna is an area of science that has yet to be studied. A lacuna in the legal realm is similar to a non-laquate, which is a English transition is it's not clear or a situation where there is no applicable law. Wow, that is awesome to know. Be sure to add this word, lacuna, to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. (music) 
Rufus. Rufus is an adjective and this word originated in the 18th century. Rufus means reddish brown in color. Wow, awesome. Let's hear a bit of history about the word Rufus so that we can get a better understanding of this word. In Latin, Rufus refers to red or red hair. Wow, who would have known? Let's hear two examples of Rufus in a sentence. The dog was a mutt with Rufus fur like a St. Bernard and pointy ears like a German shepherd. The leaves of many trees in northern Vermont become rufous by late October. Wow, really good examples. Let's go ahead and take our quick 10-second silence break and let's create our own sentences using the word rufous. All right, what did you come up with? Be sure to share your example with me if you like. Um, And if not, that's okay too. But my example of using Rufus in a sentence would have to be that I have actually been contemplating on dyeing my hair Rufus because I'm ready for a new look. Yes, y'all like that? I did, yes, because I am thinking about dyeing my hair reddish or brown, you know, all together. But you know what's crazy? When I did actually hear this word Rufus, it took me back to the movie. I don't know if you ever seen it. It's called Never Been Kissed. And in that movie, one of the people was like, yeah, we're going to make Rufus a word. And that's actually what I thought that word meant, which was like really cool. I guess that's the best way to say what that word meant in that movie. But um, I hope you all did come up with your own sentences using the word Rufus. And you know, you can always share them with me if you like. But let's go ahead and hear a fun fact about the word Rufus. So the term Rufus was used widely enough centuries ago that it appeared on the graves of ancient Thracians who took pride both in red hair and successes in battle. Because of this long association with red hair, Rufus has largely been used in English to describe the colorings of birds and other animals. Accordingly, Rufus was a common 19th century name for a red-haired man among English-speaking countries. It's still used today, although those with the name don't need to be redheaded. Yes, awesome, awesome, awesome. Be sure to add this word Rufus to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Pinniped. Pinniped is a noun, and this word originated in the 19th century. Pinniped means a carnivorous aquatic mammal of the order Pinnipedia, such as a seal or walrus. Wow, that's an awesome, awesome word. Let's hear a bit of history about the word pinniped to get a better example of this word. Pinniped was coined in the early 19th century by combining the suffix ped, meaning foot, with the prefix pinna, which refers, which refers to fins. From this, zoologists derived the biological suborder Pinnipedia, consisting of 34 species of seals, walruses, and sea lions. Wow, awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's hear two examples of pinniped in a sentence. Seals, sea lions, and walruses are all pinniped mammals who live in the water. 
awesome. Billy thinks all type of pinnipeds are adorable, even though he knows they can be dangerous. Wow, two really awesome examples. So let's go ahead and take our quick 10 second silence break and let's create our own sentences using the word pinniped. right what did you come up with so you can always share your examples with me if you like but let's go ahead and keep it moving so my example of using pen and pen in a sentence would have to be that I had recently watched a documentary on pinnipeds and I was extremely enthused about the many things these mammals can do. Yes, that was kind of long, but I really, really, really like it. Be sure to share your sentences with me if you like, but let's go ahead and keep it moving and hear a fun fact about the word pinniped. The pinnipedia supporter of animal describes carnivorous aquatic mammals, but the term pinniped was once used to describe any creature whose feet were like fins, meaning seals, sea lions, and walruses, but also certain crabs, birds, and sea slugs. Wow, that is awesome to know. So yes, be sure to add this word pinniped to your word bank. And as always, try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today. Pedagogue. Pedagogue is a noun and this word originated in the late 14th century. Pedagogue refers to formal or humorous which means a teacher, especially a strict or pedantic one. I like that word pedantic. Let's go ahead and hear some history about the word pedagogue so that we can get a better understanding. So this late middle English word stems from Latin via the Greek pedagogus, denoting an enslaved person who accompanied a child to school, which comes from pais, meaning paid, boy, and a gigas, meaning guy. Please do excuse my Latin or my Greek if I did mispronounce either of those words. But let's go ahead and hear two examples of pedagogue in a sentence. Mr. Mullins was a well-known pedagogue. The strictest teachers have been branded as pedagogues by their students. Really, really, really good examples. They really explain the definition of the word in the sentence, right? Yes. So let's go ahead and take our quick 10 seconds break and let's create our own sentences using the word pedagogue. All right, all right. What did you come up with? Be sure to share your examples with me if you like. Uh, but my example of using pedagogue in a sentence would have to be that I had three or four teachers that I consider pedagogues because their way of teaching was a lot more strict than the teaching of my other teachers. Yes, I feel like it was pretty, pretty long, you know, and it was kind of similar to one of the examples that were provided here. But at the same time, I got a definition. I got a true feeling of what this word means. So be sure to share your examples with me, but let's go ahead and hear a fun fact about the word pedagogue. 
while a pedagogue is described as a dull or strict educator in the education field pedagogy is specific to the teaching of children or dependent personalities and dragogy on the other hand refers to methods and principles used to teach adults and an andragogue is an adult educator who uses these methods wow who would have thought that so many different words could mean so many different things i know be sure to add this word pedagogue to your word bank and as always try to spread a little knowledge and let the next know about the new word you learned today Okay, I hope everyone did enjoy this week's session of expanding your vocabulary on a daily basis. And I just wanna go ahead and do a quick recap of what we did learn this week. So we learned about judder, fossic, brackish, lacuna, pedagogue, rufus, and pinniped. I hope you all did add these words to your word bank. And I do thank each and every one of you for listening and supporting me every single week. But as always, be sure to tune back in here next week to learn seven fresh new words. And in the meantime, be sure to enjoy your beautiful week and try to use one of these words while just talking to somebody in everyday life. But until then, I want you to have an awesome week and I will talk with you all later.